welcome to Pickaxe and Roll, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. I am your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is Thursday night, as I am joined tonight by a special guest, uh, one of my best friends, one of the most prevalent members of the Denver media for a long, long time. He's extremely old, but young at heart. Uh, he is the King of Thornton himself, Jeff Morton. Jeff, how are you, sir? I am I'm old. Um, but no, uh, I am good. I'm good. I, uh, uh, we, we, this wasn't a day's planned thing. Uh, Ryan, uh, kind of got me while I was watching the movie alien. Um, okay. Sigourney Weaver. Yes. And I was like, you know what? I've seen this movie a thousand times. I can, I can, I can devote some time to, uh, chat about your Denver nuggets. And before we get started, Ryan, let me just throw this out there. The MVP debate thing is to me the most silly thing on the planet. I, I I could care less about the MVP award, and it's so it's so interesting to me how invested people are in yeah. in this award for Nikola Jokic. They are invested in this, and I I think it's become a battle of like Denver versus the world it's that's where it's devolving to into and i'm just fascinated by it like I, i've been telling people this on twitter i didn't no value judgments here i'm not making a judgment at all it's just striking to me how invested people are in this thing it is really amazing to me it's it's sort of crazy and and i do understand it i understand the investment frankly i'm invested he's my favorite player and right. and i i tend to think that just the way that he has gone about it, the way that he's he's gone from a second rounder to somebody who is just indispensable within the NBA culture at this point, or that's right. uh, that's something that people will will probably tell you is not true, but it really is. Like he's he's one mm-hmm. of the best players and one of the most foundational players of this generation now. I think I just I value it from that perspective. I value it from a Denver Nuggets franchise perspective, where let's face it, haven't won a lot and haven't had a lot of things go right for them in their history. This mm. is like the the first thing and like the the primary thing that Denver hasn't had an MVP before. Like this is this would be a right. really big deal for for the entire Nuggets franchise. So, but hey, I didn't bring you on to talk about MVP. <laughs> I'm not going to talk about that. I'm not going to talk about Joel Embiid and the Sixers losing three straight. Like that's that's not something that I'm going to talk about, Jeff. Right. Like and like, all the I, free I'm, throws. Right. Yeah, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't say that he should step up when his co-star is out. Like that's that's not something that I would say, uh, Jeff. I mean, I mean, look. I mean, he is the James Harden of centers. So it's, yeah. Uh, I I I said that tonight. I that has nothing to do with his MVP case. It's just he's hard to watch because of the free throws, and uh, I, I just for the same exact reason James Harden started to watch. I mean, it's like it, eventually it's just like. I'm not here to watch you do free throws, man. Just, just get, you have a sweet <laughs> mid range game. You've got, you've got a good uh, move to the basket, but man, I mean, there were times tonight. I, I just caught some of that uh, Milwaukee game. He was deliberately looking for contact and I'm like, Oh man, I hate this. I really <laughs> hate this. <laughs> it's, you know, it, it is true. And, and I, I will credit Embiid here. He is really, really fun to watch in the post, and he's really fun to watch when he has a smaller guy on him and just tries to physically dominate them, but also can counter with a sweet move. Like, there are so many impressive things that he can do, 
particularly on the defensive end too. But mm-hmm. it just it gets so lost on me when he he starts yapping, he starts talking his talk a little bit too much, and then mm-hmm. Bates free throws like a guard. Like it's just very oh. very annoying. But look, say yeah. Lavi, we aren't going to talk about that. We're here to talk about the Nuggets, and I, and I want to talk about kind of the changing identity of this team as right. Jamal Murray has gone down. Denver has really had to pivot. They've had to change things, and sort of, that's sort of been uh, emphasized, I would say, by the fact that Monte Morris also went down. But you can really see Denver kind of circling their identity now around Jokic, Barton, and Porter. What has stood out in your mind about what these last four games have looked like for Denver and how they've how they've sort of pivoted? Uh, it's been a evolution towards a more um, someone pointed this out to me a couple of years ago once um, David Adelman took over as the offensive coordinator, basically, of the Nuggets, mm-hmm. is that they began incorporating a ton of triangle po- of, of triangle things with Jokic, where he was in the pinch post. And, you know, if anyone's watched Triangle, and I pointed this out on the podcast today, but if anyone's watched the Triangle, it is it is a lot of cutting. It's a lot of read and react. And it's, it's, that's really what it is about. It's like, get the ball in a certain position and everyone else kind of moves off ball and all that stuff. And the nuggets don't do it all the time, but they do a lot of it. And sure. what I've noticed is the, the adaption that they've made with Murray out is that the, the quote two man game is gone, but for some of the game, they're they're doing this kind of like more Jokic is trying to get everyone involved kind of thing, doing a lot more triangle, to be quite honest with you. Um, but and but in the fourth quarter, they have gone kind of devolved into Will Barton trying to be Jamal Murray and trying to do two man game with Jokic. And I think that part I wish they could do away with because Will Barton is not Jamal Murray. And I want him to be Will Barton. Uh, that they, mm. I think they can do something, not that, because I think that contributed to Porter's inactivity, particularly through midway through the third quarter into the fourth quarter in the last game. But I think in the first cu- couple quarters, they've been running that because it's a lot of read, react, and, and cutting. So I think the adaption is just running more triangle sets, to be quite honest with you. It's fascinating to just kind of to see the way that it's changed. And there there are some things that stay the same, like you said. But uh, with regard to Barton, I'm, I'm interested in this because he, he's received a lot of flack. He's received a lot of Twitter criticism. Uh, he goes through these stretches where if I don't comment on it, then I feel like I'm missing the boat on it because he'll, he'll go through these stretches where he just can't throw a pee in the ocean when he drives to the rim. And I think that's my biggest criticism with them right now is that when when it hasn't worked the entire year, his response sometimes has been to just keep hammering and keep trying to hammer the nail with, with trying to get to the rim a little bit. When he's running that two-man game with Jokic, I like it when he just kind of plays it a little bit more passively or, or he, he just looks to come off the screen with it for a, a mid-range shot or a three-point shot or something like that as opposed to dribbling and and handling the ball a little bit too much, trying to get all the way to the rim. That's where he puts himself into a lot of trouble. And I think that's what you're talking about here where, okay, instead of trying to be the hero 
and driving to the rim and facing down three defenders. You'd like him to pass the ball to Jokic, let Jokic work it around to a guy like Porter, uh, around to a guy like Gordon, and and just try to work through it that way, right? Well, yeah, and, and, and look at it this way. If you are going to run a two-man game with someone, you have to be able to score. And one of Barton's biggest problems recently is that he can't make a layup to save his life. Yeah. And that is really, really, really bad when you're trying to run a two-man game with someone, particularly since Barton really doesn't take mid-range shots. It's threes or layups. And if you're going to do, if you're going to do that, if you're going to run two man game, you've got to be hitting those shots. I mean, one of the reasons the two man game works with, with Murray is that uh, Murray scores on a high percentage of those and Barton tends to want to run it, but for whatever reason, he can't make a layup anymore. I don't know why it could be injury could be something like that. But I think that is it. And another part of this evolution, too, is that uh, you and I actually talked about this briefly uh, over text, is they're trying to get Gordon some, uh, Aaron Gordon, some some post-ups. Uh, Adam Mata has, has kind of complained about it on his podcast. This is where I fundamentally disagree with Adam. Um, that's the only place they can get him more touches. Uh, it's he's, it's not going to come from the dunker spot, which is where he was. He's not a spot-up shooter. He's a little slow to be doing a lot of cuts. Uh, yeah. And a lot of people have said, well, in Orlando, he tried posting up and it didn't work. If he can be more of a playmaker from, like, not the pinch post, but the other post on the weak side, uh, he can he can do damage if he's allowed to be a playmaker or if he, if he just becomes a playmaker. And I think that part is, is why they kept going to uh, Gordon in the post. And it did kind of free him up a little. It didn't, it didn't show results immediately, but it did start to free him up a little in that game. I'm curious to see how this evolves when they play the Warriors tomorrow. Um, as of this recording, I mean, I, I okay. Do, how do you see them? Uh, like from you, and I, this is your podcast. I'm answering you a question. Um, <laughs> um, but how do you see what they did with Gordon, uh, particularly against the Blazers? Yeah, against the Blazers, it's tough because I, I was really more focused on in, in that particular game. I was more focused on okay. Porter has it going right now. And that sort of disappeared. And I tried to figure out why. And, and it's sort of like like just overloading on him. It forced them to go to different routes. It forced them when they when they double teamed Jokic to to go different routes. And I think it really jumbled up their offense, especially kind of after that first quarter. Um, so it 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 was really tough in that one. I was at the Memphis game, and, and that one it really stood out where he was trying to force things as both a, a post-up guy, but also a ball handler. Uh, he was, he took an off the dribble three after missing two threes. Uh, that was, that was a really tough shot. Uh, he took, he missed some shots in the post. And when he was, when he was trying to post up smaller guys, uh, he wasn't doing very well in those cases. And so yeah. when you talk about getting into the post and trying to get some of those quick hitters and Adams talked about this, like you said, uh, 
I'm not super excited about that either. Mm. I think what they've done and what, what they should probably try to get back to is start to run some more five out stuff where you've got the guys that are, right, you've got the cutters that are around Nikola Jokic when he's operating at the nail, when he's operating kind of in that, that half circle at the top of the key. Uh, that way they could take advantage of that size with, with off ball movement as opposed to just giving him the ball in post-up situations. That's, that's what I would focus on in that case. And, and maybe that's wrong. Maybe that's, maybe that's something that they have tried to do and teams have just really, really guarded against that. Um, I think a lot of teams are forcing Nikola Jokic that when he tries to throw that pass, they're pressing up on him and they're forcing him to put the ball on the ground and, yeah. and dribble drive. And so that's going to yeah. be interesting to see how they handle it. Well, let me, let me, let me just put this back at you and Adam, if you're listening to this, um, which who knows. Um, if that worked, they'd still be doing it. And I, and sure. I, and I, and I think, I think where they came to the conclusion, particularly with Jamal out these last four games, even before Jamal was out, actually, his Gordon's production had decreased dramatically. Um, and I think what that has been occurring to everyone is he's too slow to do a lot of the cutting. He's a big guy. Um, and he's six foot eight, six foot nine, but he's, he's, he's a beefy guy. And if he's going to be doing a lot of, see in, in, in Nikola Jokic's mind. And I, and I, and I, and I've told this, you know, I've said this to people a lot. Nikola Jokic wants four Gary Harris's. He wants, he he wants, that's what, that's what in his mind, that's what he wants. That's why Gary worked with him so well is because Gary did nothing but cut and shoot corner threes. That is exactly what he wants. Um, but the Aaron Gordon is never going to do that because he's, he's just not quick enough a lot of times to get by these things. I mean, he, when he gets into a hole in, into an alleyway with what I call an alleyway on some of these uh, dives to the rim, there's a small crack. And sometimes he just has to be wide open for him to get a pass right there. And then they had him in the dunker spot with that part spot near the baseline and uh, he doesn't get a lot of attention there, or, or I mean, uh, not attention. He doesn't get a lot of opportunity right there. He just ends up standing and looking for rebounds. Um, one of the reasons they need to get him more involved and why they've gone to the post is, quite frankly, they don't have any other choice. But the, the, the other part of it is if you're going to take advantage of his skill set, you're going to have to get him, put him in the position that you haven't, like no one else can do. Michael Porter Jr. actually does get mismatches on on post ups, but they don't find him very quickly. Uh, I I've noticed that Porter will get in there and try to get on a guard real quickly so he can do a turnaround. They don't get it to him very fast. Uh, they don't see it because they're not used to it. They're deliberately looking for Aaron Gordon. This is a deliberate thing they're trying right now. It may not work. Um, but I think it would work if he passed more. I think that that is the key. And if he passed more and there was some more cutting going on uh, off of him, I think that could be an opportunity to open up some of the offense on, uh, on his end. Um, but right now it was a little better in the last game, but it wasn't 
I mean, the Memphis game was disappointing because you're right. He was forcing things. Yeah. And a couple and, and a couple of those threes were so off. Like that last three he took uh, in the Memphis game of the, of the three he took was like it barely got the rim and it bounced off to the side. Um, this one, his shots were better. His shots were cleaner. His, his percentage wasn't tremendous, but he, it was a better more efficient way for him to get shots. And I think, I mean, I, I can't read their mind, but I think that's what's going into their decision-making here. It's going to be interesting to see how that starting lineup continues to develop. I wonder how much of it is is just shooting-wise and how much pressure Faku Campazo can put on the rim and things like that, taking mm-hmm. pressure away from, from a guy like Will Barton. Uh, I'm, I'm interested to see how they handle it, but tell you what, let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to do a new segment. We're going to do pick a player. I, I briefed uh, Jeff on this before and uh, we're going to get into it and have some fun. But first DraftKings Sportsbook is the official sports betting partner of UFC. They are putting you in the center of the action in this weekend's title fight with 26 to one odds on either title contender in the Masvidal and Usman fight. Uh, They're going to go round two in their matches in the octagon and DraftKings Sportsbook, they are giving you a great deal on UFC 261 that if you get 26 to one odds here, if you just bet $5 on either fighter to win, if they walk out of the belt with the belt, you will cash $130 in free bets. There is no better way to put your MMA knowledge to the test than to put your money where your mouth is with DraftKings Sportsbook. Don't worry if MMA isn't for you. DraftKings Sportsbook offers great odds and promotions on basketball, hockey, so much more. Uh, Obviously, we're wrapping up the basketball season here, and and the playoffs are going to start. That's going to be an interesting one I'm looking forward to. Uh, DraftKings, safe, secure, and reliable, uh, as always, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code MHS when you sign up to turn $5 into $130 in free bets if the title contender of your choice wins. Place your bet and watch the fists fly this weekend. That's code MHS to turn $5 into $130 in free bets if the fighter of your choosing takes home the crown. For a limited time, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. We will be right back on Pickaxe and Roll. We're back. Pickaxe and roll. Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, doing a lot of great stuff over at Mile High Sports. Uh, also doing a lot of great stuff over at denverstiffscout.com. Make sure to check out both of those sites. If you can, leave a rating, review, and subscription uh, on, on this particular podcast. And also make sure to go follow Jeff Morton's podcast, uh, the CSG Pod over at, on his platforms. So you can follow those anywhere you, you get your podcast. Apple, Spotify, Google, wherever you want. Uh, so make sure to follow Jeff for sure. Um, all right, Jeff, I, I I shared this segment with you, this idea, and I wanted it to be kind of open ended, just so that we we have we we've talked a lot about Nikola Jokic, we've talked a lot about everybody else, uh, but I want to just ask you about three separate players. Uh, they are any players that you want. Who are the three players that are most interesting to you? We're going to spend about five minutes on each of them. Who's the first one you want to talk about? 
uh, Faku Campasso. Okay. Um, he and, 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 and we can, this will be a good, I like this segment because this will be a good, good way for us to, oh, and by the way, I'm sorry for anyone who was hearing me pour a glass of something while Ryan was doing his read. <laughs> it was I, a big I, old I, glass I, of wine. Yeah. Big old, <laughs> <laughs> it occurred to me F, while, it, while it was happening, I'm like, oh my God, they can hear this. I'm not on That's mute. That's hilarious. Okay. Um, anyway. Um, <laughs> um, Faku Campasso, it's interesting how much better things looked when he start was hitting shots against uh, the Blazers. And I don't know if we can count on that. And that is the that is the dilemma the Nuggets are in right now because the two-man game between Faku and Jokic actually looked pretty good, primarily because Faku was hitting some open threes so big time what is, shots. Your, what is your thoughts about that do you think this is something that is sustainable or are we just biding our time until monte morris gets back okay well in the last nine games i just looked it up here in the last nine games faku has hit a three in every single game his worst percentage was against the memphis grizzlies where he went one of seven but over those seven games he's shooting 54.3 percent from three and mm-hmm. It's a very it's a small sample size. Don't get me wrong, but he's got up shots in a lot of those. Uh, uh, two of three, two of five, one of two, three of three, two of two, two of four, two of four, one of seven, and four of five in this last game. So I actually do think it's sustainable. I was on with the with the uh, Nugget Serbia guys who who mm-hmm. do a great job. Miroslav, uh, uh, Mislav, all those guys. Miroslav, and, and yeah, they're they're great. They're awesome. They're great, great fans. And they asked me about Faku as well. And, and I tend to think that this is real, that this, this Faku shooting is a, a good sign for things to come. He's had right. moments throughout the year where he shot the ball really well, but he's also had moments where he's just gone through complete dry spells. Right. So I wonder if that's just who he is, where he just kind of goes on hot and cold streaks. Uh, but for now, he's shooting the ball really well, and I think it's important to acknowledge that. Right. And I, I think I – think- it works better in the two-man game situation if if Nikola Jokic has a guard who is uh, able to distribute and make plays. And you notice they kind of had a nifty play worked out. I think it was like what was it like the fourth quarter that the 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 two no 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 it was the second quarter the two of them kind of worked on a on a on a like a little give and go and it was actually. Real, real was nifty, as the young people would say. Of course, we and, do say that. And nifty and PG Kane. Um, <laughs> and it was it was interesting because uh, I think I think if that was more of a thing, it would be interesting because Monte Morris is good at this, and I, that's why I was kind of confident when Jamal went down. You can't replace Jamal. But I was okay because Monte was still there, and Monte is knows what to do, sure, and he knows how to do it. Faku kind of does that two man game, and I thought was well, okay. Well, that's a glimmer of hope because we're there at this point in my view. The Nuggets are just biding time until uh, holding the ship afloat until they can get Monte back, because I think that really they will become a better team once Monte Morris is back. I guess. I'm I'm glad that Faku has stepped up and done a good job. He's actually he's done a pretty good job against the three guards that he's faced over these last few. Right. Uh, 
he he defended John Wall and Kevin Porter Jr. in the in the Houston game really well. Uh, he defended John Morant, I thought reasonably. It wasn't perfect, but but uh, I thought that John Morant was probably more successful against other guys than against uh, Faku specifically. Right. And then he defended Damian Lillard really well, and that's it's it's hard. It's a hard ask to defend Damian Lillard really well, and and Damian went at him in a lot of cases, and Faku responded, mm-hmm. and I thought he did so well. So. We're going to see in this game on Friday against the Golden State Warriors and whether he could do something similar to Steph Curry. Uh, the way Steph is playing, I'm not sure if that's going to be possible. Yeah, yeah. But but Steph did just go 7 Ooh. of 25 from – from. Yeah, but but point that I, – I thought Faku did a good job on Steph. I mean, Steph had 53 in that game mm-hmm. uh, when he played the Nuggets, but I thought Faku actually did a good job against Steph. Uh, a lot of that was on Jamal. Uh, and yeah. a lot of that was just Steph being a flamethrower. But I actually thought Faku got under his skin a little, and uh, that is something to watch in this next game. Steph did hit a really impressive shot against Faku uh, that mm-hmm. I think made all the highlights, and when he said he was uh, can't guard me too small, uh, things like that. But mm-hmm. other than that, I don't think he made another shot against Faku that entire time. So it's a good, it's a good point, a good shout. Uh, I thought it was really unfair for the Nuggets to bring back Jamal Murray for that game. To be frank, uh, or mm-hmm. hey, con- congratulations, you you get to come back and you have to chase around Steph Curry, the hottest player oh, in the NBA, right. for like like every time. All right, right. So. Well, I got to tell you, that's that's the same story for a lot of people this year. <laughs> yeah, true, true. Um, Okay, sir. Uh, I think that's enough on Faku. Who else do you want to talk about? Uh, Shaq Harrison. Um, okay. Shaq Harrison is an interesting player. He's very much a tryhard, but he is also a more talented tryhard than Tory Craig, if that, if yeah. that makes sense. And uh, guys who give that kind of effort are valuable, and you know coaches love them. The interesting thing about Shaq Harrison was the, and I hate using this expression because it's nouveau basketball, but it's it, there's the gravity that that he, cre- he managed to create, and a lot of it had to do with his defense. Um, one of the interesting things about the the Blazers game was that second unit, particularly in the uh, late third quarter, when the Blazers were threatening to pull away from the Nuggets, that 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 unit that that the was out there um, kind of created a, enough, not, at least in my view, they, they create kind of created enough of a defensive presence led by, in my view, Shaq Harrison to where they were able to, to really gum things up for the Blazers and the Nuggets were able to get back in that game. I'm, I, I'm curious to see how they use him, deploy him once Monty Morris gets back. Cause I think he can be a nice weapon kind of to throw at Steph Curry and mm-hmm. throw at the likes of, uh, you know, in tandem with, uh, with uh, uh, Faku Campazzo. That'd be, and it, it, to me, that's going to be kind of an, an interesting thing. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, in that second unit, I thought that Paul Millsap and Jermichael Green struggled in their individual matchups against Mello and, and Inez Cantor. Right. Uh, there were a lot of situations where Inez Cantor just kind of backed down Paul Millsap under the rim, and, and especially on offense. Uh, and then Jamichael Green wasn't really quick enough to handle Mello. 
when you point to why that unit really turned it around defensively, I don't think you can credit those guys. I think you got to credit Shaq Harrison for his defense on CJ McCollum at the top of the key, at the top of the, the top of the defense, getting his hands in passing lanes at, at all points. It was really impressive. And, and the way that he plays with the quickness that he plays, he has long arms. He has the ability to like, it's, it's almost like a Viper where, where he, he just kind of pokes his hand in there real quick to, to deflect the ball and get it into the passing lane. And, and I really like that because those are the points that Denver never really creates where, right. where they, you get the, the breakaway steal. I think Faku does this pretty well on occasion, but Shaq Harrison, like if he could do that for this bench unit and just create points with his defense, that would be a really, really big deal. Oh yeah. I agree that with, with that. And I, I was encouraged by that. And, and Shaq, did Shaq Harrison play against the Warriors the, the last game? No, I don't think I don't think he was out there. Uh, he he might have been late. He may but have I, I, been late. But I don't. Yeah. I actually don't think he. I don't think he was. I think it was against. I don't Miami. think they. De- yeah, I think I he don't got think here they deployed him until Miami, right? I, I don't know though. Let me ah, check. I'll check his game logs because that's yeah. that's an important distinction, right? Um, because uh, I would like to. I would like to know if he was at, how effective he was. Uh, yeah. Because they would put definitely put him on Curry if if he's out there, um, but I don't think he was. I just don't recall him being out there. Um, but his his first game was against the Houston Rockets. Um, so oh, okay. he had he All wasn't right. on Golden State. He wasn't in for Miami. It was against Houston. Then he played against Memphis and played significant time. And then he played against Portland in significant time. And uh, he, in those games, uh, let's just see. He he had. One steal and two steals in in seventeen minutes and fourteen forty. So really impressive stuff from him. And and the the one steal and and one that he had was just that's a that's a game changing kind of play. Uh, right. And that's it's a very very big deal. Um, I like it. I like him. And and when he was he talked to the media afterwards, and and I asked him a question, and he was just very happy to be around and just very positive. And you like to have guys like that that bring that new energy. And I think that was one of the reasons why Denver had their big bounce back uh, after the Aaron or not bounce back, but they just continued raining hellfire when Aaron Gordon got here. It's because you got a new guy in there. You feel, you feel pretty good about the direction of the team and how new guys can help you. I think Shaq Harrison and to a lesser, uh, to another extent, Austin Rivers is very much the same way. Right. And I I think it helps because the the Nuggets went from having too many guards to having too few. Yeah, very (laughs) quickly. (laughs) uh, So I think it helps out tremendously. And I'm really curious to see, particularly against the the dubs, if they – is that too – do people still call them the dubs? Yeah, I think so. I think so. Oh, man. I I thought I was going, like, back to 2013 uh, era. Um I, yeah, I, if, I would like to see that because specifically on Steph, but it'll be interesting because I don't think the same dynamics are in play with when they play them this time as they were the last time, obvi- for obvious reasons, of, of course. But we'll, we'll see. Well, they hadn't faced Steph this year. Uh, actually, no, they did, but it was, it was mm-hmm. just a long time ago, and they had Gary Harris at that point. So, like, and that was it's the just beginning like- of the season. Right. Yeah, completely different time, completely different, and and they like they still struggled to contain Steph, but they contained everybody else at that point. 
that's probably right. going to have to be their game plan. And they, they let things get away from them with everybody else too. So we'll see, mm-hmm. we'll see how that ultimately happens. So, yeah. Okay. Uh, last player, sir, who, who is your third player that you find most interesting right now? JaVale McGee. Mm, okay. That's an interesting one. He hasn't played in a little bit. I know. And that, I'm wondering why. Um, I would have played him against Ennis Cantor last night. Uh, Millsap was doing okay at, in spurts, but he was having trouble with some with some switches. Um, mm-hmm. Jamichael Green, I don't know what's happened with him. I uh, he is just not the same player. I mean, he had that big game. What was it about five games ago? Where he no no, it was against Miami, wasn't it? That he had like twenty points. Yeah, uh, he, he. I think he's had a couple. Um, like yeah. I think I think he played well against Memphis too. Yeah, it's just, and then he'll go have a game where he can't guard anyone. It, yeah. It's just, it's just hit and miss re, le, re, recent, uh, uh, recently, at least, because in the beginning of the season, he was far more, uh, you know, consistent, I guess is the best way to put it. But JaVale, I'm just curious because I don't know why he's not getting deployed in certain situations. I, I have a theory that it's probably because of loyalty to Paul Millsap. But um, I would like to see JaVale out there, particularly when F- when Facundo Campazzo is out there, because I think that has proven to be a good combination. Um, but you never know. I mean, maybe there's a good reason, but I'm just curious as to why he's not playing. Well, they haven't had a lot of options ever since Monte went down. And you probably like I, I can see why Michael Malone has just decided, okay, we are going to put our, our highest IQ defensive players in there with that second unit and just try to mitigate points. Because the last thing that this starting unit needs right now is to come back into a game after they've been up 10 and they're down five. Uh, right. That that would be a really tough thing, and if you have kind of a high variance player like Javale McGee, I think that's that could be a big a big reason there. And so we'll see how they handle it. Uh, when Monte Morris comes back, I I too agree. Like I, I would like to see a Michael Green Javale McGee front court. Um, I think that they can go three guards around that and and still be really good. I actually think that that's a really good idea. And that if you're mm-hmm. if you're not going if you're going to play ten guys, which I think that they can. I think you can go Faku, Shaq Harrison. Actually, oh, well, you probably can't go Faku and Shaq. So at that point, you probably go Faku, Austin Rivers, PJ mm-hmm. Dozier, Jamichael Green, and JaVale McGee. And you feel pretty good about Ooh. that, right? Like, like that's that's a pretty fun an interesting, lineup. That's an interesting lineup right there. I, 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 I support that. I, I would like to see that. They're, they have a lot of options now. That Even without Jamal. Uh, if you, if you place Monte in the starting lineup and you place Will Barton in the starting lineup, okay, you know that those guys, you know what you're going to get from those guys. They're uh, for at least like you, you, you mostly know what you're going to get from those guys. But with that bench unit, I, I think you can do some creative things with JaVale McGee out there. You want guards with him that can play pick and roll. And PJ's a guy that can play pick and roll, of course. Focker's right. a guy that can play pick and roll. And I think Austin Rivers is a guy that can play pick and roll. Shaq mm-hmm. Harrison at that point might not be, but if you're going to go with uh, Paul Millsap and Jamichael Green, I'm okay with playing Shaq Harrison at that point because then you're just you're just trying to lock up people as much as you can. I agree, and I think they need to explore that um, because you got 14 games left. I mean, what do you got to lose? I, I it's, you you're missing one of your 
one of your key cogs. Just get sure. out there and just throw caution to the wind and just do it. Because like, there's been moments where the second unit has struggled to, I mean, I, I'll put, well, just even as recently as the last game where in the second quarter, they just were leaking like a sieve and they got, because they couldn't score. Yeah. And then this, it really, the second it really was like, like the, uh, the offense was, was really bad. The defense was okay, but when your offense is just so atrocious, that's that's a, a big problem. Yeah, there's a, a fundamental disagreement between me and uh, people who are like all about defense is that like you can't defend your way out of an offensive slump. It's like it, uh, I've I watched. I was a fan of the night the '90s Knicks. I know I'm very familiar with this. <laughs> that team could not score other yeah. than Patrick Ewing and and John Starks, and it was. I, it was just difficult. It was difficult to watch these games because they just could not score. And they were able to grind out some things, not like Memphis grind out, but it was like 90s grind out. So that sure. concept is is probably anathema to a lot of people listening to this. Uh, but they were able to do that in, in a certain amount of way because they limited possessions. But it was just atrocious. And they and And it's amazing they won games. They did it largely because Patrick Ewing is a Hall of Famer player, Hall of Fame player. Um, I don't know if the Nuggets can get put themselves in a position, particularly in their second unit, of being a grinded out team uh, because they just don't have they they're not able to string together enough good offensive players to get out there. Now, the the caveat to that obviously is Michael Porter Jr. and the rotation was obviously messed up last night, so. I think he would normally be in the set uh, playing with the second unit if things, all things were equal and they, he didn't like play the entire first quarter last night. Yeah. That's my general feel. And, and it's also, it's tough that when you have a lot of guys that you want to play, one of the things that Michael Malone will do is, is when you've, when you're in situations where you want to play five different bench players, you, you you come up with a lot of different reasons to just play all five of those guys and play an all bench lineup and mm-hmm. and you, you want to give them a fair shake and and at least see what they can do. It, it's hurt Denver in the past when they've done that. I think they will continue to hurt them if they go all bench for extended periods of time. Okay. However, there are ways that if if they want to continue to tether his minutes, Porter's minutes with Jokic, and continue to develop that chemistry. Then there is something to that as well. So right. I, I won't uh, I won't complain if he plays ten or if he plays like thirty minutes a night with Nikola Jokic. Like Denver can Denver can score a lot of points in that regard. And and without him on the floor, and obviously without Murray on the floor, it, it can get really hard even for Jokic to score. Right. I agree. Um, okay. Let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk going forward. We're going to talk playoffs, so just kind of what the the path to the playoffs, what that looks like, and what the standings are really shaking out to be. We'll be right back. Back here on Pickaxe and Roll. Thank you so much for making me a part of your day. Joined by Jeff Morton, the King of Thornton himself, at jmorton78. Make sure to follow him. Make sure to follow his work at CSG. Uh, Okay. I've been doing a lot of standings watching. I've been doing a lot of MVP watching. 
and every minute of every day pretty much and it's been very stressful it's been very uh very unhealthy is what i'd probably say um but sweating as you're at the computer every night just, yeah. just you know, I mean, <laughs> you're, you're you're like you're shaking it, and and you know people walk in they're like what's wrong with ryan i don't know he just keeps <laughs> looking up the mvps the mvp chalk i mean he keeps refreshing the same page over and over again <laughs> well if, if only you could open up the the cabin door like leslie nielsen uh, and just wish me good luck thank you uh yes. that would have been that oh, would be very God. helpful because i'm yeah. a, i'm sweating <laughs> sweating my ass off over here just trying to focus on this thing but uh uh for those of you who don't get the the airplane reference, that is the movie. It's a great funny movie. Um, it's an old movie, so I, I, I I'd like to I'd like to take some credit for that. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you because <laughs> Adam. Here's a here's a quick story. Adam, I I dropped into the DNVR thing about five, six, seven months ago. It was before, like in between seasons, and uh, I just dropped in and I put a comment in there saying I I'd just like to say. Good luck. We're all counting on you. And Adam just started roaring, laughing, and no one else there, Harrison, Brendan Vogt, um, Eric, none of them understood the reference. It's just Adam. He says, none of you guys get this? None of you guys get this? That's so funny. <laughs> I, I love airplane. That That is my kind of humor. So that's a, <laughs> that's a, that's a really, really good movie. I'll, we'll have to watch that at some point. Yeah. Um, okay. Standings check, standings watch, MVP watch. I do it a lot. It's, it's it's unhealthy at this point. But what I found through figuring this out is that Denver's most likely going to play the Los Angeles Lakers in the first round. Yeah. Um, where do you stand on that? Like, like, do you stand on if there's a there's a right time to or a wrong time to play the Lakers when they're when they're unhealthy at this point? Do you care at this point? Uh, there's no right time or wrong time because for the Nuggets is a giant psychological block. <laughs> so yeah. I, I I think that it just doesn't matter uh, whether you play them now or later. It it just doesn't matter. It's it's the same Lakers thing. So you might as well just play who you play. I I, I think people over, we get overthinking of this. I mean, it, you can you can think yourself into a knot. Now that being said, I'm not entirely. You know, Dallas has a real opportunity here if they keep winning the way they're doing to 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 make some noise here. And the Lakers, even with Anthony Davis out there, didn't look tremendous. At least I don't know what the update on the score is as of this recording. But yeah, let's take a look at that right now. One hundred five ninety eight Dallas, uh, seven minutes to go, um, and uh, Anthony Davis has four points and he's played seventeen minutes. I think they probably just benched him. Uh, he's two of 10. <laughs> well, all right. Well, see. well, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. I mean, uh, I, yeah. yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe he, maybe he re-aggravated something. I don't know why he isn't playing now, but that's, it is what it is. Well, he's probably on a minutes restriction. I'm sure. I mean, it's, yeah, actually uh, that's, that's probably true. He's probably doing the, the starting minutes restriction, which, which disrupts the entire team. That's always fun. But you know, um, now that we've uh, pointed out that game, Dallas will probably lose. I, I now that now that now that we've mentioned it, we've we've cursed them. Is what's what's going on? Yeah. Speaking but anyway, speaking of guys that bait fouls, yeah. by the way, oh, um, yeah. oh my god, Luka Doncic is just uh, he's, he's getting to be the worst, like like oh, the he's, worst. He's he's getting so irritating, and it's like you don't have to be that way, man. You're you're good. 
you're good. <laughs> you don't he's, need he's the really good. <laughs> you're, so you're, you just you, you don't need this, man. I just want to. I just want. I just want to be like uh, um, the Big Lebowski and just say, man, you don't need this, man. <laughs> you're fine. That, that is a movie that I haven't seen, and I, I'm. Uh, I'm. I know. Oh. I know it's a travesty. It's. It's bad. It's really uh. bad. It's not uh, like seen, you didn't. It's not like not watching The Godfather or anything like that. I mean, it's it's just a Coen Brothers movie. But <laughs> true, <laughs> true. Uh, but hey, I mean, Big Lebowski. That's that's a a referenced movie for everybody. Um, but yeah, so Dallas is they're currently up right now. If they win and the Lakers lose, then it, it actually helps Denver a lot. So we're we're just going to plug that in and hope that these numbers are correct. And that what I share right now is 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 actually what's going to happen. Um, so here's the standings right now. Okay. Utah is in first. I'm going to just list the losses and then the games left that they have. I think it's easier for everybody to understand. Utah has okay. 15, 15 total losses, 13 games left. They're probably in the one seed. If not, they're only dropping to the two seed. They, they're probably not right. going lower than that. Right. Phoenix. They're at 17 losses now. They just lost to Boston. Uh, they have 13 games left, and they have a really tough strength of schedule remaining. So it is possible for them to drop two, uh, but they and they could technically even drop all the way down to four if if you're the Nuggets, if you're if you're trying mm-hmm. to catch them. Clippers, they have 19 losses, so two behind Phoenix, uh, four behind Utah. Clippers only have 11 games left though. So they've done a lot by banking a lot of wins. Yeah. Um, there's not a lot of room there for them to lose anymore. I don't think that Denver's going to catch them. The Clippers have an easy strength of schedule left. Denver is at 20 losses. They're right behind the Clippers, but they have 14 games left and a, a middling strength of schedule. So they have easy games and they have hard games. We'll see what ultimately happens there. Mm. The Lakers, if this result holds, have 24 losses and they have 13 games left to go. So there is still a tiebreaker left between Denver and L.A., Uh, but even if the Lakers win that and they they win the tiebreaker, or like they win that head-to-head matchup with Denver, uh, they still are going to have to catch up in games. Like there's still a lot for them to do, and they have a tough – or they have about the same strength of schedule left as Denver, and they don't have LeBron still. We'll see if he comes back later. Um, Portland is at 26 losses with 14 games left. Dallas is at 26 losses with 14 games left. Those teams are basically tied. Uh, so mm. all of this to say, and, and that's a long winded statement for, for me to basically share the most likely scenario for the playoffs right now is for Phoenix or for Utah at one Phoenix at two or the Clippers at two. One of those teams is going to be in the three Denver at the four, Lakers at the five, Portland and Dallas at six and seven. It's not great for Denver if you're if you're trying to face the Lakers in the first round. Well, um, I just my surface uh, acknowledgement of that is that Dallas is getting screwed by having to be in the play-in game. <laughs> True. Play the play-in tournament, I should say. True. Um, Whoever, I think it will probably be Portland actually. Uh, I think that Dallas is going to catch Portland. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think I think will Dallas pass Portland if they win tonight? 
Um, in terms of wins, let's just check it here real quick. Uh, they will be tied exactly in the standings at 32 and 26. Hmm. See, this is where it gets dicey because Portland, um, I, I was just thinking about this today, actually, Brian. Remember that podcast that you and I did prior, right after uh, free agency? And we were, particularly you, were talking about how one, wonderful those moves were <laughs> that Portland made. And I'm thinking this entire year, man, this team sucks. <laughs> <laughs> It really hasn't manifested the way that I thought it would. I thought that Yusuf Nurkic was going to be a good basketball player again, and clearly yeah. I was wrong. Like, yeah, he's not really good. That um, that, that air ball three pointer last night was just was <laughs> violin music to my ears right there. Yeah, yes. <laughs> it's just uh, you can Terrible. see the the soul leave CJ McCollum's body when that shot went up, and I'm like. Like as I've seen that once before, and that was when uh, in the 2013 playoffs, Game Six, Corey Brewer shot a three-point shot, and it wedged itself. Yeah, got the the wedgie. And Andre Iguodala, you could see there's the there's a overhead camera that was pointing down, and Andre Iguodala just rolls his eyes so far back in his head. And I was like, oh, my God, it's like this man's soul left his body as soon as that happened. It was it was amazing. And this was similar because I see McCollum was like, oh, my God, we're toast. <laughs> I'm so I'm so glad the Thaco can shoot threes, because if he if he couldn't, he would be like like five foot nine Corey Brewer. And and that would be that would be the worst player. <laughs> Just so bad. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that Faku can, can shoot for sure. Uh, oh, my God. But, yeah, but what do you think? I mean, what would be what would be a scenario that would be acceptable to you? Because I think the Nuggets are – I'm not convinced that the Lakers are going to remain at the five. I, I think they may end up dropping down to six. So if that is the case, would you be in support of the Nuggets kind of resting guys, you know? Yeah. Oh yeah. Like I, I would be, if it was becoming apparent that the Lakers were going to get the six seed or the seventh seed, then I would, I would like handcuff myself to the four. Uh, and because if I, if I do that, then I know I'm playing Portland or Dallas in the first round. And as great as Luka Doncic is, as great as Damian Lillard is, I feel so much better about Denver going up against those guys than LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Like, sorry. Like there is, there's no doubt in my mind that Denver can beat those teams even without Jamal Murray. Like I think that Denver and, and losing Jamal Murray, it, it takes them out of the top tier of playoff contender, which is right. what they were in my opinion. Uh, and instead it, it puts them in the tier with like Phoenix where I think the Phoenix is solid. I think that they're really good. And I think that they're, they're kind of like how Denver was a couple of years ago. Right. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. Like they, maybe they, maybe they changed my mind there, but I think that like Portland is a tier below that to be clear. And yeah. Dallas is probably a tier below that. We'll see. We'll see what they ultimately do. I just don't really trust Chris Porzingis. Like I think that Denver, they can manage Chris Porzingis. Like, 
it's all about doubling on ball with Luka Doncic. Like that's that's where I'd I'd really focus my. Well, they can my, handle him better than they did the last game because uh, they got Aaron Gordon now. Yeah. Uh, the last game they played Dallas, they didn't have Aaron Gordon, and they were tired, and it was just it was a lackluster performance. Um, but that's right. That was that was the the weird. Uh, we we came in at three thirty in the morning from the East Coast, and we now have to come in at seven o'clock in the morning for a test and then come back to the arena at one o'clock. Right. And that was, that was, that was a bad, that was a bad thing. And then the testing that day, as I I remember the COVID testing that day was bad. So there was a lot of different things going on, but I'll, I'll, I'll say this. And this is just, this is just a a Jeff Morton theory. I kind of think the Lakers want the the six uh, slot. Because I think they want to face the Clippers. I I, hmm. I think I think they think that's a favorable matchup for them. That's just that's just a wacky theory for me. I think I think the Nuggets probably would be a good option too for them with Murray out. Um, but I kind of think there would be completely okay with getting the six the, the six seed because i think with lebron and anthony davis they think they could beat the clippers i think they feel like they could beat anybody mm-hmm. and and them winning all of these games without those guys has has really sort of changed my opinion on them and uh, mm-hmm. they're, they're like Montrez harrell's going to be better in this year's playoffs than he was last year like undoubtedly i think there's like he's such a low bar to clear um <laughs> They got Andre Drummond to kind of play that Dwight Howard role, but he's a little bit better. So if he's healthy and Anthony Davis gets his rhythm under him and LeBron James gets his rhythm under him, they're going to be just fine against pretty much whoever they play. And then they'll probably feel pretty confident in, in any of those matchups. But if you're Denver, I think you still feel pretty good about the amount of sides that you can throw at them with Aaron Gordon, Michael Porter, Paul Millsap, uh, to Michael Green, JaVale McGee, and of course Nikola Jokic. It's it's hard to hard to argue that. Um, right. So I'm 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 interested to see how Denver would do that because most of the teams that the Lakers have faced are all just so much smaller than they are. Denver was much smaller than they were last year, and so I, I wonder if that changes if this if this Aaron Gordon transaction, the JaVale McGee transaction, the addition of Jamichael Green. I wonder if that changes this matchup considerably where they are just kind of struggling to create offense other than in the fast break. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's going to be interesting looking at this because um, am I most confident against for the Nuggets by far? Uh, Who? Utah. I've got no fear of Utah. I got a little <laughs> bit of fear with, with uh, Phoenix just because of Chris Paul. Um, but honestly, for whatever reason, and I mean, I'm sure there's people from Utah who are going to listen to this, but I just don't have a big fear of the Jazz, mostly because they are very they ha- they de- they remind me of the 2013 Nuggets is what they do because they are very dependent on everyone working together in that 
and they don't have any guys that stand out to me other than maybe Donovan Mitchell. Uh, well, it's totally Donovan Mitchell, but they don't have a lot of that. They really depend on these like Joe Ingles, Bogdanovich, and Mike Conley hitting threes. And in playoff series, things get tight. And remember, as soon as the Nuggets brought back Gary Harris, that entire uh, jazz, which is basically the same thing they're doing this year, that approach collapsed because they got some guy who was just able to take out the efficiency of one of the players, and the house of cards kind of collapsed. I don't think I think of them any differently this year. I mean, Bogdanovich is healthy, but I mean, I, I just, they look the same to me. Um, in that series, when in game six, uh, the Jazz shot 50% from three, but Denver also shot 50% from three. <laughs> 18 of 36 for the Jazz, um, 18 of 36 for Denver. That is actually really fascinating. Um, but Denver turned them over. Uh, a little bit. They they just did a better job with their interior defense. Um, it was it was just a much better performance in that game six, and then in game seven, obviously it's the it's the the brick fest. Uh, oh yeah, Jazz shot twenty three percent from three, thirty eight percent from the field, sixty seven percent from the line. Like uh, Denver just shot better from from both well, from three, but not much not much better from the field. I will say that. Um, that Jokic a, scored thirty. Jokic scored 30, 30 of 80 of the, is incredible. Of the Nuggets, 80 points. So that was, uh, but the, <laughs> you know, I, I, this is completely random, but people were talking about the Memphis game and Jokic's numbers and all that stuff. You know, that near, wasn't nearly as impressive to me as game seven against the Clippers, where he had like 16 points and like, I don't forget how many assists he had. It was like something. It, it, his it was like 30. It was like, I think it was, I think it was, I've got this photographic memory when it comes to stats, 16 points, 13 rebounds, or 13 assists and 22 rebounds, 22 rebounds. Okay. That was the single most dominant game I've seen him play by far. I mean, the Clippers couldn't do anything. Yeah. It was basketball (laughs) nirvana for him. It was, it was unbelievable to watch and, and just, just watching them try to lock onto those sets and not be able to do anything at all was was really impressive and it gives me confidence in Denver that if they can find that approach again where they just go to Nikola Jokic in the post they work on their cutting they work on their passing they have Michael Porter out there more consistently as a three-point threat they're going to be okay on the offensive end they're going to they're going to find oh, a way in a lot of cases uh Jamal Murray had improved as a defender not having him out there as as more of a switchable defender than some of their other point guards I think is going to be an issue at times, but we're going to see in, in cases like this one on Friday where you go up against Steph Curry and you may want Faku Campazo out there chasing him around. You may want Shaq Harrison out there chasing him around rather than Jamal Murray. So right. there are going to be instances where Denver's going to be better defensively as well. Is that a national TV game tomorrow? It's not. Uh, I think, I, yeah, I don't, Oh, actually it is. It is a national TV game. That is, that should be a, uh, that should be interesting. That'll be that'll be a good time for Nikola Jokic to make his MVP case. God, it's just like he needs to because the last game was on ESPN that they played him, which was. Uh, but they need they need. I, I think I think that the Nuggets kind of know 
that all they need to do is is stop Curry. That's really all it is. And and I mean, like I I stop, but they need to limit him as much as possible. What was this last game that Curry played? It was like he had, it was something like seven of twenty five or something like that. Yeah, that's exactly and, yeah yeah. I like and and uh, who who beat them? Who, who did they play? The Wizards. Uh, oh, the Wizards. Okay, which the Nuggets know all about that. But yeah. uh, <laughs> some reason, like the Wizards, they they lose every awful, like the, every middling game and win every game against the top teams. It's very weird, right? Right, and and but the Nuggets, uh, like Curry bricking all those shots, and he was like one of uh, or one out. What was his three point percentage on that? I think it was like three of of like ten, two of fourteen, two of fourteen. Okay, I mean. It's pretty bad. And and then that just and then Golden State just fell apart because he's literally all they have. Yeah. So I I mean that's the formula. And so if I'm the Nuggets, I sell out to just stop and curry. They can do it. They could definitely yeah. do it. And and I think that's it's going to be fascinating to watch Faku out there. They're just gonna have to like the one dangerous thing is that when when Draymond Green is hitting open threes and and Andrew Wiggins is hitting open threes, then that's a right. really big problem. But right. like that's just not something you're going to be able to control if you're going to load up on Curry. So we will see how they handle it, man. But uh, I don't really have anything else on this one. Do you? No. 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 I mean, <laughs> I mean, I, I'm here just to see your lovely face. And, and it is lovely. I will tell you yeah. that. Uh, <laughs> Oh my god! Uh, I, I, I took I took down my ponytail and I look like I look like Steve Ow, and that's not a reference you'll get. But oh my god! <laughs> Someone who's listening to this, I hope you understand my Steve Ow reference. But oh my god! So much terrible. flow, so much flow. Uh, Jeff, I appreciate you hopping on with me, my friend. Uh, of course. Where, where? What are you working on right now? And where? Where can the people find it? Uh, I've got a podcast dropping on Saturday for Blanchard Family Wines. I just interviewed one of the guys there. And um, other than that, just like waiting for doing a bunch of nuggets analysis and uh, occupying my little, very, very, very tiny niche of nuggets, of nuggets media sphere. So... (laughs) Well, for all of your Nikola Jokic MVP takes, uh, make sure to follow Jeff Morton <laughs> at jmorton78. Uh, I'm at Ryan Blackburn. I'm at NBA Blackburn. Uh, make sure to follow me if you can. Uh, I appreciate everybody. Uh, you guys are great. You guys are wonderful. That is going to do it for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll, hosted by DraftKings Sportsbook. We will be back tomorrow night after the Nuggets face the Golden State Warriors on national TV. Should be a lot of fun. I'll talk to you guys very soon.